e ngā mana, e ngā reo, nau mai tahuti mai ki te kaupapa nei ko te ahikā. Koi tēnei ko Justin Murray, e mihi atu nei kia koutou. For the last few episodes of Te Ahikā, we've met and talked with people who live with cancer. They've shared their journey from their first diagnosis, how it impacted their whānau, to the ways they changed their life and approach to their well-being following the cancer diagnosis. This week, Claire Taipari joins the show. Claire is the wife of Greg Taipari, who we also spoke to in the series. In 2015, Greg was diagnosed with throat cancer and underwent radiation therapy. He didn't tell his whānau, so for the most part he chose to face his diagnosis alone. After the cancerous tumour was removed, he was well enough to get back to work. One week into the new job, he suffered a stroke. Then his wife Claire was diagnosed with breast cancer. Now, while Greg thinks that the story could be considered a bad run, he's pragmatic. Oh, my, you poor thing, you know, and it's like, no, I'm not poor. It's made us resilient for this journey that we're on now. Um, you know, we we don't take anything for granted. We be po- we're positive about our lives. We live healthy lives. Coming up, Claire Taipari's story. Nā reira, kuera te horopaki o ngā kōrero e Greg and Claire Taipari sat down with me for a kōrero on Te Ahikā. Uh, ki te taho tōku pāpā, ko Aotea te waka, ko taua ki rā te mauna, ko mana whero te awa, ko te ati haunui a pāpārangi te iwi, ko wākarapu te hapū. Ki te taho tōku whaia, ko mātātua te waka, ko hau ki taha te maunga, ko ohene mataro te awa, ko naituhoi te iwi, ko Nāti Kaura te hapū, uh, ko Claire Taipari taku inoa. Um, e whānau mai a haui whakatāne, um, e tipuaki a haui whakatāne. My mum's name was Carl Anderson and my dad's name is Richard Anderson. Um, and my mum uh, was a school teacher, so she taught many years at Rātoki, uh, mm. Pāroa School, Teteko School. Um, yeah, teaching was, was her passion. And my dad, he worked um, at the Whakatane Board Mills for many years, and he was a baker before that. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then he worked at um, the Taniatua pub, Te Punawaiae, mm. for oh, a few nice. years. So, yeah, had a good, good normal upbringing, with, you know, with my siblings and um, our whānau connections. And, um, yeah, it's good. And now you live and reside in Rotorua, which yes. is, what, an hour from Whakatane? Yes, that's so right. So you're yeah. a Bay of Plenty girl at heart. Yes, <laughs> yeah, heart out. <laughs> my story really starts from my whānau, um, from my mother's journey with cancer and my grandmother's journey mm. with cancer. So cancer is the thing in our, my maternal side, especially where it sits. And then my own journey, which was a couple of years ago in November, because of my history, my whānau history, I would always get a, a mammogram. So mammogram was the thing that I believed would just sort of keep me safe. So one one November I went for a mammogram. 2018. Yeah, 2018, mm-hmm. and it came back clear. I got a letter saying you have no breast cancer. And then the very next week I was lying in bed and I felt a lump on my breast. And then sort of a month had passed and so I went and got it checked and it turned out it was cancerous. 
In previous episodes of Tiahika, artist and trustee of Arateka Trust, June Grant, and chairperson Susan Brown shared their stories about how their regular mammograms did not detect any tumours. Claire experienced this as well. She explains more alongside her husband, Greg, who joins the interview. And it's quite interesting because I've shared that with quite a lot of people because that was a really big learning for me that while I... Mammogram is a very good, um, you know, it's good for people. It doesn't pick up. It, it doesn't always pick it yeah, up. Yeah, um, it's, it's not a guarantee that you don't have it, I guess. It's, yeah, it's mm, more common. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And people are surprised by that. That You think once you've gone for your mammogram um, and it comes back clear, hey, you're, you're all good to go. But Yeah. Um, I went through, got, got it checked, went to the doctor. She goes, oh, yeah, there is a lump there. And I was like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> And so went through, you know, the test of a um, a biopsy, ultrasound, MRI, and it turned out that I actually had four tumours inside my breast. I ended up getting a full mastectomy with an implant, and that was this time last year. Yeah, so that's sort of the kind of pathway that I had. And right from the start, I thought, this doesn't sound right. You know, we've I've got to sort of share this message once my journey's over, if that kind of makes sense to warn others that it doesn't always pick it up. But there were a couple of reasons why that could have been. So there is a thing called dense breast tissue, and that's when your breast, you know, it's quite self-explanatory, but... Um, the mammogram, if you if you have a dense breast, the mammogram doesn't pick it up. It doesn't sort of differentiate between the cancer mm. and, a, and the tissue. Mm. Um, I think I think it's also wow. um, it's, yeah. you need to clarify that um, dense breast doesn't mean that you're big breasted. You no, know, like you, you dense is the, I guess is it's the thickness of it. Um, so you, you, yeah, it, it basically it, it hides it. I mean, it it's, mm. yeah. So yeah. It's, yeah it's so a, these tumours were hidden in the density of the mm, tissue. Yeah, mm. that's what I understand. But I also know that the name of the cancer I had was called pleomorphic lobular carcinoma. So um, the pleomorphic part of it means that the it morphs into other things. It morphs. The tumours morph and change, so that's why it's quite was interesting that it, that could be another reason it didn't get picked up as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it may not have shown up as a yeah yeah. So it can change its um, s- structure, I guess, mm. and, and make itself look a little bit different to what you you think it is. So 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 four of these slippery little yeah suckers, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Did, wasn't it originally like before the mastectomy was three? We'd, yeah, and then yeah. So and the other thing I guess that's um, important to realise is that even with um. Uh, with the mammogram, with the, with mammogram, the gel, the um, ultrasound, ultrasound and the MRI, MRI and CT scans, um, it only they they only can see what they can see. They can start off smaller than that, so it can mm. be smaller, microscopically smaller. So even though it can be clear at that stage, it means that it's only clear because no one can see it. And um, and and like throughout that whole journey, when when you're going through your process. Um, the doctor says, you know, well, we know that there's three, but we'll know what really is going on. We won't know until we get in there and find out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so lots of times it's actually when they open up and that's where they can actually physically mm-hmm. see it and pull it out. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, it came back that you actually had a, thir- a fourth, a fourth, fourth mm. tumour. Wow. So I had an unwell breast that needed to be removed. removed. And, uh, yeah. 
Breast cancer affects over 3,300 women every year and around 25 men. Over 600 deaths every year are related to breast cancer. This seems quite... Um, so 2018 is when mm, you moved, yeah. and then... Obviously, we're in 2020, but it seems like you, you both moved very fast on this. Yeah. There's no time, obviously, no time to yeah. to sit around. And yeah. it, it, it is funny eh? because, like, um, when we were going through that process, um, right at early stages of it, I really thought, man, this is going to be uh, a long journey and it's going to take forever. Mm. Um, but really, it was it's going to be a year and then a few days yeah, um, for the, that oh. clear had the mastectomy. So it. Yes, it's long, but when you're in that journey, sometimes it actually it flew by, and sometimes it didn't. Eh? There were times yeah. when it was like, oh, we yeah. need this to be over and done with. But um, yeah. communication, eh? It was all about talking to each oh, other yeah, and yeah. making sure we had a plan forward and understood where we were going. Yeah. Mm. It, it, communication was key for us. It really mm. was like, you know, if we come across something that didn't quite sit right, we would talk about it and then think, right, next time we're going to do it this way so that we always kind of knew where we were mm. at. Eh? Because parts of last year were really long. Mm. You know, going through chemo, I thought, when is this going to end? Is this going to end? And it does end. Yeah. <laughs> but it yeah. just, yeah, it's yeah. A really interesting And, and there were time. times like, you know, we... We're, you know, we had dark days, eh? You know, oh, like yeah. where we, we didn't have great um, news back from um, certain tests and all of that. And and you, we never really sort of felt sorry for ourselves, I guess, because we'd always see other people going through things that were a lot harder. To recap his story, in 2015, after a persistent cough, Greg was diagnosed with throat cancer. Eventually, he had the operation to remove the cancerous tumours. At the time, the former print media journalist was working in Wellington as the press secretary for Te Ururoa Flavel, the former Waiariki MP for the Māori Party. Now, as a journalist, Greg is pragmatic and believes that knowledge is power. He would draw on his experiences to be Claire's main support person when it came to things like doctor's appointments and making key decisions regarding her health. Actually, that's what you mentioned quite a bit in your interview, Greg, that you were kind of like an advocate for yeah. Claire. Yeah, that was my job. That's what I felt my job was. Yeah. I didn't have, um, yeah, um, I just felt, you know, you, you need to feel like you're doing something. For me, personally, I didn't feel like I had, a, had needed to have a say in the decisions that she made, yeah. but I felt that I needed to make sure, one, she, I, I played the devil's advocate and asked her st- the questions to make sure she knew what she was doing. We never looked back. Once it was decided, this is your road, that's fine by me yeah. and, and fine by Claire, and we'll just go with that. So, yeah, I think it, you need as a, a support person mm. um, because there's lots of um, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, good friends who become who are a part of that journey, and you want to feel like you're useful. And for me, I think it was about being an advocate. Talk us through the period um, of chemotherapy, Claire. Was that particularly oh, yeah. tough, tough time for chemotherapy you? Chemotherapy was really interesting for me because when I had my very first appointment with my doctor when she said the news is not what we had hoped, mm. she said, the, got any questions? And the very first question I asked was, will I lose my hair? And yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that was my part in it. Um, so a lot of it... Leading up to chemo, a lot of it was in my head, and that you know, what you'd I was seen and yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what is it going to look like? Blah blah blah. How am I going to react? Because I don't know a lot about chemo. Um, mm. 
But I guess the journey for me was once once I got to start the you know the chemo journey. It was just a lot of reading, a lot of trying to um, inform myself about what was to come. You know, once my hair started to come out, it was actually, for me, it was quite liberating. Mm. It's really weird. You know, you have this fear leading up to this spot, but then actually when it happens, it wasn't so bad. I've got a mate who runs a hairdressing salon in Rotorua, and so I rang her up. I said, oh, can I come in? I just need you to shave it off. And so we went in, and I said to Greg, no matter how I react, I want you to take some photos, because I really don't know whether I'm going to be a crying or laughing or what the hell's <laughs> going to happen so he came in and we did that and at the same time my sister was getting her hair done it wasn't her fault because I had just done this <laughs> random appointment oh. and so we had a real little whanau in there and then we were <laughs> she started and it was actually it was funny eh yeah, we had lots of, of laughs and mm. it was just Other opposite to the, yeah the, um, uh, um, Salon were probably thinking, what the hell? Yeah, is yeah, because I was. These we were just sh- she was shaving it off, and and we were laughing, and they were going, "God, you really suit that." You, you know, I was surprised for the reaction because I didn't know what I looked like as we don't without hair. So that was kind of the first step, and then when I walked out of the salon, I just had no no hair, uh, no scarf or anything, just walked just, out. Hmm. So it was empowering for me. Like I thought it was, this is going to be okay. The, the ahua of the place was healing. We yeah. Not once did we feel that. It just had a real feeling of aroha in that space. Mm. So, staff there, that yeah, the Rotorua staff, Oncology yeah. are really lovely and I cannot say enough about how yeah. how helpful they are with you and, and with mm. all the people there. So. That, yeah, mm. and I guess, and then so we started and, you know, you sit in, in your chair and you get, oh, it was about an hour and a half of medication. Um, and then... I sort of followed the pathway of how um, my specialist said I may react. So the first couple of days you don't really feel anything, then it sort of starts to hit on a Wednesday, Thursday. And I was quite lucky because it was usually Saturday that it hit me. Or it's the medication. So you get it on the Monday yeah. and it takes till Saturday for your For body. me it did, yeah. yeah. It took till Saturday for it to actually really hit me. And sometimes I'd wake up and just there'd be no energy I guess what I wasn't prepared for was the reaction of the medication. Like you have all this medication, then you have the steroids to counteract the side effects of that. And so the side effects of all of that did play with my mental health. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, sometimes I'd wake up and then all of a sudden I'd burst into tears Mm -hmm. and think, what the hell, this isn't normally me. Your hormones have got to be out of whack. Yeah, everything was out of whack. Um, but Greg was re- that was where Greg really came into his own in that time because he just kept me positive. It's, it's how you approach yeah, things. Yeah, it's and always in your your mental. Yeah, if you're if you're negative about it, nine times out of ten, that negativity negativity will play out in your healing. Yeah. So um, yeah, try and be positive to, towards those people and don't don't um, don't don't give it a negative um, label. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah, especially to those who are going through it yes. mm. and don't yeah. need that. Yeah, no, that it's exhausting yeah. enough just doing the physical side of chemo, let yeah. alone the mental side. Self-isolation and social distancing were prevalent during the recent COVID-19 lockdowns. But Greg and Claire Taipari say that self-isolation has always been part of their regime for the sake of Claire's immunity system. Basically, last year we self-isolated for, for and the, socially, and socially mm. we we decided like because Claire's immunity was um, really low and she was susceptible to picking up anything, so we decided, 
you know, uh, we won't go out. We just mm. didn't go out, and and we um, no one was allowed to come over if they weren't feeling well. And we had our both our kids were still at home, and oh, um, yeah, and so, yeah. yeah, and um, you know they were really cool because they're, they're young adults. They'd live their own lives and all of that, and so you know, and they shared in that experience. I guess all they lived. Yeah, they supported. Uh, they supported. It. It. Yeah. They supported our yeah. our vision and way that we were going to do this and. So even like that whole year and a bit that we were self-isolating, we, we didn't get sick once. No. And um, yet our kids, did, mm. you know, they, they'd catch a cold and they'd just stay away from us. And, um, wow. yeah. yeah. And so things we did was like we went and got the flu jab. Um, mm. We didn't go to Tangi. There was a huge Tangi the first week I had chemo and it was really hard to not go. Mm. For that, but we had made this decision, so it was for our well-being. So we just rode the wave, and so going into this year, it will just for us be an extension of that. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, yeah we, that's a message we'd like to get out to people who are, you know, we're going. The world is going through this COVID nineteen. Um, don't be afraid of being self-isolating. I mean, it can be actually liberating in a sense. <laughs> you might not Tell think me. it. Yeah, yeah. But it, I'll set your word for it. Yeah, it's liberating, yeah. folks, yeah. <laughs> Plenty of time to watch Netflix. No, yeah. um, no liberating in the sense that you may feel like you're not in control, but you kind of are. Yeah, you can you, do you, things. You, you are yeah. in control of yourself. We wore masks. Yeah. We, it was the trend for us. We tried to make it a trend. Well, yeah, you <laughs> oh, did. Oh, I did. Um, but, you know, like, it yeah. was like I just wore it as, almost like I was proud of it because why be ashamed of something that you know was being helpful to protect um, your loved one from um, getting sick? So, mm. yeah, I, was, I, I wore it without any shame and actually joked about it. You know, made, I made light of it. So, yeah, don't be afraid of um, self-isolation or social distancing. Um, mm. Just own it and, and be smart about it, you know. So um, when we interviewed Greg Claire, we talked about, because uh, Matua Kihu is very much um, you know, an example of, you know, in fact, he jokes that, you know, he's got cancer, but actually his kids are more sick than he is because <laughs> yeah, they, they yeah. always get the flu and yes. susceptible to all I, these illnesses. Yeah. <laughs> so so lifestyle change for you, um, yeah. how has that been? Because Greg talked about him um, going off meat yes. and he doesn't hard out, you know, he's not someone to wave that vegan flag, yeah, yeah. but he just does it in yeah. his own way. Yeah. What about, what so about lifestyle you? lifestyle change, I guess for me it started right at the start. Um, straight away I looked at things. Um, prior to my cancer journey, um, my mum had a, her own mm. cancer journey, so she passed away in 2010 from multiple myeloma. Um, and before she passed, she did us up a bit of a corridor on what she learnt, how she did things. Um, and it was things like, she used to always say cancer, uh, sugar feeds the cancer. So that was the kind of the first thing I tried to cut out. She looked at things like um, alkaline and acid, kai, and, and so she kind of changed to a vegan then, eh, mm. when I think mm. about it. Um, she did things, karakia, always being grateful. So she juiced uh, beetroot, carrot, celery. Apple. Apple. Every day my dad would Mm. juice for her. And so we got the juicer out, and from then I was juicing all the way through. Um, So, yeah, so it started for me following her her pathway. And then when we went to um, do the Aratika retreat, Mm. 
we kind of liked the kai that they were having. I was like, oh, this is pretty nice. And I'd take photos of every meal to get, ex- you know, examples. And so... Because was it vegan, plant-based? Yeah, it was plant-based, vegan. And so um, we had, we went vegetarian from then. But one other thing I started doing was um, the Pink and Steel. I think they're like a charity. Pink and Steel. Yeah, it's called Pink and Steel. They um, run stand-up paddleboard um, sessions mm. or training for those that have had cancer. I think it's breast cancer. Um, nice. And so end of January I signed up with these ladies, got cool. us a paddleboard, and we went out three mm. mornings a week. Um, yeah, that was cool, around Lake Okarika and just paddling. And So that was a new sport. It was hard, though, eh? Mm. Mm. Then we went and bought us some paddle boards and, and learned to do it and yeah. That's our new thing. So, you know, there's been lots there's a lot of, of things out there eh, as yeah. well for people who are going through this journey. Like, um, you know, go and talk to the Cancer Society and to the Aratika Trust. Yeah. Um, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of support mechanisms for people who are going through breast cancer. Any um, cancer. And, and, and yeah. other cancers, but predominantly breast cancer does get a, uh, yeah. a lot of um, funding. And so don't be afraid to ask mm. and don't be afraid to ask for help. And, and, and take up the offers that they have because they can be really uh, beneficial. Yeah. Aratika Trust, who we heard on the show in last week's episode, organise and run retreats twice a year. Based in Rotorua, the Charitable Trust was set up 12 years ago. It would be a form of support for the couple. There were a couple of people that I knew that were trustees, and I was reading the things that they did. I thought, oh, mm. that's pretty cool. There was June and what was that? Um, Medahini Hooker. She passed away, I think it was last year. So, mm. um, But, yeah, I, I recognised these names, and I thought, oh, yeah, that looks pretty cool. And then somebody um, gave my name to June Grant on the trust, and then one day she rang me up and we were having a chat. I was in bed recovering from my mastectomy, oh. talking to her, mm. and... Mm. Hadn't, I hadn't met her before, but Greg knew her. But we talked like she was an auntie that I had known for years. Eh? Mm. And I said, hey, I want to come to your guys' next retreat. She goes, oh, no, it's too early. Wait till October because you're <laughs> going through your own treatment, you know. Yeah, yeah. So come October, we signed up and, and off we went. And um, it was a really, really cool experience. He was in the dining room, mate. Eh? We, yeah, yeah, yeah. we w- saw him straight away, went up to him, give him mihi and um, <laughs> yeah. turned out he's from the same place. Places me and yes. and because I mean, as Maori, you do t- tend to sort of congregate to yep. one another yeah. if you see somebody there, and um, so it was good to see a, a um, not that they were, everyone was friendly, oh, but it was yep. good to see a Maori face there, yeah, and and a male one as well, you know, for yeah. um, I mean, um, as a support person. Yeah, it just uh, even for me knowing he was there, he was doing the karakia, he was somebody there. It was just a safe place. Yes. You know, do you think there is a need for something that's specifically like a Māori whānau group or a national kind of I, I think, Yeah, I think there's a necessity because a lot of our people take yeah. this journey. So there is a necessity to have an understanding of, of all things Māori. Aratika take that into account. Um, uh, you know, mm. I can't speak for all the others, but yeah, you, you, yeah. I mean, people... Um, they realise how important it is, and 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 the, the way that um, Maori think of um, things, and how they can we can be shy and fucking to yeah. to not only ask for help, but feel like you're ta- 
taking something that you don't really rightfully yeah. deserve. Yeah. You know, you think, well, no, I'm not going to ask for that because, mm. you know, mm. yeah. So, um, there, yeah, all, all, whatever services that that are out there need to take that into account. The one thing that I, the mantra that I use is, it is what it is, and mm-hmm. it's how you how you deal with that um, situation. You know, that's how you'll be remembered by it. Knowledge is power. Yeah. If you understand something, you you learn to not fear it. The first and biggest thing I did was created my community, whatever mm. that looked like. So mm. last year, my community was my immediate whanau. We set up a WhatsApp page so that. Um, Greg could just type in what my updates were to the one place where my brother in Melbourne and my dad in Ruatoki could just see straight away where things were at. I sought out people that um, I really respected that had gone through this journey. So I have a, an old boss in Wellington that I rung up and talked to her about and, and some of the techniques she used. I rung my sister-in-law in Melbourne who had just been through her own cancer journey and she because she's quite academic, she gave me some really good tips. So she said, open up a Word document. Every meeting you go to, every bit of information you get, create your Word document, create your timeline so that you can understand and own your journey, um, which is what I did. And so when my team had a um, medical team meeting, I said to my nurse, email me those minutes. I want to see what everyone's saying about me. I want to see where things are at. So I threw them in the document. Um, and then um, my sister-in-law said, get a second opinion. And I thought, oh, I never even thought of that. So we got a second opinion. And in that conversation, I was able to say to the specialist, no, actually, that info is not correct. From my, this information, this is where things are at. And that's empowering to be able to control own and control your own control. story. Then you will feel a little bit more in control than things that are happening around you. Claire, thank you so much for sharing your story here You're on welcome. Te Ahika. Um, Greg, obviously, thank you so much for joining thank us for again. again. Nga mihi nui, kia korua. Thank oh. you. Kia ora. Ai, tēnā korua, Claire and Greg Taipari. Now, for more stories on this kaupapa, head to rnz.co.nz forward slash tiahika, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Now, what you've heard in tonight's show is Greg and Claire Taipari's story. For any information or health advice, please seek out your local health practitioners, or you can head to the website breastcancerfoundation.org.nz. Now, we end this week's show with the modern Māori Quartet featuring Afi Mai Fraser and the Waiata Māre Kura. Katukunatu tēnei Waiata Kinga Wahine, Katoa, and especially Claire for sharing your story. Norere te fano, hoki mai a te wiki e tu mai nei Māori tu, Māori ora.
ranga venua taranga rongo mai wahine mai ranga hine matsioro hine moae Yeah.